Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. I I had a, we've rearranged our uh, living room, living room a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I have kind of a, I can now work off two computers off this desk as I'm watching the game. So I I got one where I was (coughs) doing the game grades and one where I was um, doing the scoring chats as data that we do every game. So that made my life. You weren't switching screens all the time. You were switching computers. That's probably way better, eh? Oh, it was great. (laughs) No one else cares about that. But if you ask me how I'm doing, that's uh, that was good. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Not very all impressed. Right. Not very impressed with that hockey game, but uh, the only time I really got upset is when I think the team that deserved to win didn't, and I have zero reason to be upset tonight because the team that deserved to win that game won that game handily, and that's just the way it is. For nothing, doing all right. It was doing all right when you said that. I there, uh, and a song lyric immediately popped in my head. I just want to slow driving on a Saturday night. What's the song? Oh, slow driving on a doing all right. Slow driving on a oh, Saturday yeah. night or Friday night. It might be actually. Driver's seat by Sniff in the tears. Sniff in the tears. That is a great song too. I was, it is yeah, a I great would, song. I would I would have got to an adventure. Driving on a Saturday night. Maybe it's a Friday night, though. It's a song about, it's actually a song about personal agency and how the driver's seat is how we can all take uh, control of our lives and lead better lives. And I didn't know that until I read the lyrics recently. I've listened to that song for 40 years. Has that song been out 40 years now? It is a fantastic song. Um, The Kings were in the driver's seat tonight, Bruce. They outplayed the Oilers. They um, they had some really strong goaltending from David Riddick. It was the I was mentioning this earlier. It was the first uh, game for the new coach, and I just wonder how many times. What's the winning percentage of a coach in his first game in the NHL in a midseason change? And I bet you it's high. I'm guessing it's about 700 winning percentage. The LA Kings, or 100% of the LA Kings, were fully invested in making a good first impression on the new man. Yeah. I, I, I saw that the way that this was lining up on the schedule, and I thought not only have they got the new coach, it's his first damn game. They're really going to be bringing it, and they really did bring it. And Oilers just had no answers tonight, David. They did not, Bruce. The grade A shots in this 4 nothing loss were 15 to 10 for the LA Kings. Mm-hmm. The five alarm shots were more even. I think Edmonton had seven and the Kings had uh, six. So Riddick made seven. He had a shutout and he made seven fantastic saves. There were some really good chances. Any of them hit the on post? The power play. I don't know if we had. Oh, McDavid's. But that wasn't a five alarm shot. That was a great A shot. McDavid hit the post, cutting in from that sharp angle. So we deem that a 25% shot for McDavid. And I think that's about right. He gets him about a quarter of the time. Almost gonna. This is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers in one conundrum podcast. Bruce, what is your good thing? Good thing tonight. Good thing. Good thing. <laughs> uh, nobody got hurt. 
I like that. It was one of those games where you just expect disaster to befall catastrophe, you know? Yeah. And other than Philip Rover getting hurt down in the NHL tonight, go figure. And, uh, you know, I really, I haven't got my, I, I mean, my good thing is the LA Kings. They were very, very good, and they were much, much gooder than their opposition were. Much more invested in the game. And, you know, they played hard and two and even beyond the whistle. And, you know, they were just the better team tonight. So they're, I guess, I mean, I hate to say it because I'm no big fan of the LA Kings, but they played a whale of a game and they overwhelmed Edmonton for the most part. Yeah, they they were just the better team tonight in all aspects every, of the game. Every aspect of the game. Yeah, they were. I'm tempted to say my good thing was Mikey Anderson going head first into the boards after that dirty hit on Zach Hyman, or then Evan Bouchard wailing a slap shot off uh, Mikey Anderson. Those were pretty good things. But um, my good thing is there was a there was a few Oilers players who played well. I thought the dry settle line was strong, and Evander Kane's playing really some of his best hockey again that we've seen in a while. I think he's healthy after that break. I think he mm-hmm. got healed up a bit. He's been yeah. fantastic. But I, I really noticed just by, um, because they weren't out there for any kind of problems, whereas Kulak and Cece, they just did a really good, solid job. They kept a clean sheet at even strength, meaning that they didn't allow, between them, they didn't make a mistake on a grade A shot against at even strength during the game. They look good. And and I, this is an interesting thing because when, and we talked about this, I think, last podcast, CeCe's now moved down the lineup. He's going to start looking real good to people, I think. People are going to say, you know, that Cody is playing well. It's, yeah, it's quality of your competition, um, which is, you know, DeHarnay's looking a little rough around the edges all of a sudden. People are like, DeHarnay, is he getting a job? Done well, he you know he struggles a bit, but there, he's playing more minutes and he's playing against tougher competition, and he's gonna it's just gonna be hard. And Darnell Nurse's face, this is for the last five years, just a steady, steady stream of tough competition. Tonight, Darnell Nurse didn't have a good game at all, but this is how it goes when you're playing against really good players. But Kulak and Cece, little less difficult competition, and um, they were they were just really good. I thought, what did they play? Sixteen fifty seven at even strength for CC mm-hmm. and Kulak uh, number twenty seven fifteen forty five. So mm-hmm. good for them. They um, they were at least solid on a team that wasn't very solid. Yeah. Well, here's a stat that I know you love, David. Expected goals, and uh, when they were on the ice tonight. Um, <clears throat> Here's the order's best to worst expected goals. Brett Kulak, 64%. Cody Cece, 60%. Cody Perry, 51%. Holloway, 43%. Kane, 40%. And everybody else below 40%. And we're talking down near the bottom of the charts. McDavid, 34. Ekholm, 32. Bouchard, 28. Uh, Hyman 25, DeHarnay 24. Like, you know, Edmonton's top unit got worked. And well, Bruce, we didn't, I make David didn't make one major contribution to a grade A shot at even strength this game. No. That no. line didn't. 
That line yeah, didn't no, they get did, anything they did any even strength. They they got nothing done. So um, yeah, I gave Connor McDavid a three out of ten in this game. Like that's a poor game, and he had a poor game. He coughed up the puck. It was a tough play on the two nothing. On the two nothing yeah. goal, key play. He loses it on the boards, and he mm-hmm. he knew that he was the last man back on that play. Bouchard had pinched in, and I think it let he had let the puck go because he knew McDavid was there. And McDavid picked it up, but he tried to make a move on the boards, and suddenly it's a two-on-one. Just one of those moments in a game where maybe caution. I'm not going to ever tell Connor McDavid how to play. He just didn't execute when he usually does, and the and the defensive player made a good play. Yeah, Byfield, uh, uh, Quinton Byfield, the young uh, uh, hotshot in L.A., ate McDavid's lunch there, and then he ate Ekholm's lunch with the pass across. Yeah, and Trevor Lewis buried it like he does about once every four years, where he actually makes a good shot off his scoring <laughs> chance. It's not his uh, usual strength, but he made a good shot there, and that was basically the hockey game. Yeah, yeah, McDavid. I mean, I just remember there was like it seemed like two times in the whole game. Maybe there was another one or two, but where he actually got the puck and actual some room to skate up the ice and make some moves and both times he bobbled and lost the puck with nobody around him just flat out lost it he just didn't seem to have his uh his uh fast twitch muscles under their usual uh, uh orderly conduct tonight and it was just an off game yeah. for him and for many of them so but uh, they didn't get much from the captain in this game yeah, his fast twitch muscles are usually going like hummingbird oh. wings. <laughs> yeah, well, they were but too fast tonight. for his own good tonight. Not, tonight. To say not, tonight. Just not clicking, not firing in sequence. All right, Bruce, what is your bad thing? How many did we got? 30 just, each? Just one? Just one. Okay, well, I'm going to sneak in a few more. I'm going to get a two for one and I'm going to go special teams. Yuck. Edmonton, special teams, four power plays, nothing to show for it, including three in a row in that like last five or six minutes of the second period. Uh, 12 26, too many men, 16 38, tripping, 1906, too many men. Like they got gifted with two power plays. And, they, you know, they got a couple chances in there, but they could not put the damn puck in the net. In four chances, they got six, in eight minutes, they got six shots in net. LA Kings in two chances in three and a half minutes got five shots on net and a goal. So out of the six special team opportunities, the Oilers special team failed five of the six times. And that was a part of the difference. I mean, they also failed at the five-on-five game, which is... You could pick this game apart and find a lot of bad things, but uh, I'll just take the special teams as a two-for-one and say they didn't get the job done. The power play did get some three five-alarm chances. Um, Hyman had one. Drysaddle had as he got off an executioner shot, and Nuge had one in early in the third. So there was some good moments, but Riddick, Riddick was better than they mm-hmm. were in those moments. So... Um, yeah, they're a little, they're not finding a way to utilize Bouchard necessarily his shot. Like it's, it's not coming easily that shot. They, they seem to, they have to find a way to feature it a bit more. I'm not exactly sure what they have to do, but it, it, it is something that's, um, 
can break down the defense. And um, it doesn't seem like there's a natural player to pass to him to make that pass. And I'm not sure why. Maybe it's just the way he's, maybe it's on Bouchard. He's not setting up properly. He's not looking for the shot enough, not getting in position to shoot. That that could be it as much as anything. In fact, that's what I think it is. There's a lot of good passers out there, but he's got a he's got to figure out a way to, to to set up for that shot, and always be ready to take it because he's not he didn't make one major um, contribution to a power play grade A shot, Evan Bouchard, and he, mm. he, he wasn't he wasn't terrible or anything. He made he actually made one really great play where he jumped in the air, knocked down the puck, and Drysaddle put it to Hyman, who didn't hit the net. He hit the side of the net. That was a right. great play and. Close yeah. to a a, yes. a great shot, mm-hmm. but um, his best just, work was yeah. keeping pucks in right at the blue line a few times, and then a couple other times he just flat out bobbled pucks at the blue line, and out they came. But you know, it was uh, he's got some like a couple times I thought he overplayed his hand, but he's pretty cool hand, Luke Bouchard. And he was able to make plays under pressure right along the blue line a couple of times, even on his backhand side. But And he was hammering them away. And then on the other hand, he got that time that Adrian Kempe went around him. Oh, my Ooh. goodness. Yeah, he got whipped. He looked like he was in the wrong league on that rush. Uh-huh. So. Beat him like a rented mule, as Darren Petition used to say. I th- maybe he still says that. I I don't uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. remember him on ITV. Yeah, I sure uh, do. Yeah, and of course on TSN for many many years. Yeah, he was the hot shot. Touch. In yeah. Bruce, my bad thing. And Stuart Skinner wasn't bad in this game. In fact, he he kept the orders in this game early on. Gave the orders a chance to to get in the game. Um, that said, the first goal against, and um, he had just made um, a really good save. I can't remember who it was on, but then just a few seconds later, um, an outside shot from Dubois, which he clearly saw, and no screen, and it's a save Stuart Skinner will make 95% of the time, if not more, and he just, it just went through him. And um, it was a hard shot, you know, but he's, he just, he just missed. And this is so like, we haven't seen this in a long time. It's been, it seems like it's been two months since we've seen Stuart Skinner uh, muff a shot, an outside shot like that, but he just muffed it. And that was, it. if the orders were going to win this game, he was going to have to steal the game mm-hmm. and the orders were going to have to get lucky um shooting on shooting on the kings because they only had 10 grade a shots as we as we said and most were on half were on the power play if not more so he needed to steal the game and he just couldn't get it done so my bad thing is that particular play not his overall game but that play he needed to make that save yeah it looked to me like he anticipated the shot going to the top mm-hmm. corner Mm-hmm. And he started to move his arm towards the top corner, and the puck zipped right in through his, you know, the armpit hole, six hole or seven hole, whatever they call that one, between the stick arm and the and the body, mm-hmm. and it went through him. And you know, it was just he guessed as opposed to reacting to the actual shot. Yeah. And boom. Boom. 
<laughs> Boom. Up until then, I was thinking, oh, this might be an Oilers, typical Oilers win where they come out crappy and um, get it together. The goalie keeps them in, they get it together, and then they find a way to win. But, uh, yeah, the Kings were not going to let that narrative unfold tonight. They were going to win this game, impress their new coach, and they did so. And beat their hated rivals that knocked them out of the playoffs the last two years. I mean, yeah. You know, they're pumped to play the Oilers, and they were pumped tonight. Indeed. Thank goodness the Oilers managed to win that Anaheim game. Like, just think how depressed we'd all oh, be if they had lost yeah. that one. That's why it's so oh, crucial man. to win the games you need to win, right? Like against the weak mm-hmm. teams, you got to win those yeah. games. And so this trip was a bad road trip, just one win in three games. But they did get that win in, in Anaheim. So. Yeah, it wasn't a disastrous road trip with coming yeah. home with three L's. What is your numero? Yeah, this number probably describes tonight's game as well as any. This is block shots. And by the LA Kings, 25 block shots. By the Edmonton Oilers, 5. 25 to 5. The Oilers actually had 70 shot attempts to 41 for Los Angeles. And yet the actual shots on net were even at 26 to 26. And, you know, my experience of looking at these kind of stats is that I will actually take the team that got the higher percentage of their attempted shots on net, even if their number of attempted shots wasn't that high, because it means the shots they are attempting are clean looks. Whereas Edmonton wasn't getting clean looks because there was traffic in the lane all night long. So Edmonton missed twice as many shots as LA, 18 to 9. And like I say, that was a 5-1 ratio of shots that were blocked. So stick tap to Cody Cece, who blocked two of the five. And the other shot blockers were uh, Bouchard and Ekholm with one each. And McLeod was the only forward to successfully get in the shooting lane tonight. Yeah, I mentioned, I, mean, I wish Evander Kidd blocked his shot late in the game there. That one got through and they scored. That is just an absolute ass kicking in terms of, and to me, that's it, it says something about defensive structure, but it also says something about that dreaded word that people hate, compete. And if the Kings had more of it, Kings were prepared to pay the price in this game. And they were also pre- more prepared to initiate uh, the physical contact. But I'll leave that to you and your number to dig in a little bit more deeply. Well, meanwhile, in L.A., we had three block shots for Roy, uh, five, four for England, six for Doughty, three for uh, Anderson, Anderson, three for Gavrikov. I mean, that's their defenseman, and they're all like three plus. And, you know, it's like not even, it's like Drew no, Doughty compar- six. no comparison. Yeah, Drew Doughty. Drew Doughty six. was six block shots. Good for him. Mm-hmm. And Mikey, you know, I don't, I, I think he's a dirty player, but he's one of those guys. I wish he was an Oiler. He is a very good hockey player. Like he, he, um, he's a solid defensive defenseman. Um, Bit of a meatball. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Cement head. How about that? Just, yeah. Anyway, just, uh, I did not like that run. He took it Zach Hyman and neither did Zach Hyman. Yeah, that was good. And I also didn't like Evan Bouchard just kind of casually skating by and not responding in any way, shape or form to that dirty hit. Well, Anderson Near did kind of get. Team, closest teammate. Well, he did kind of eat the boards a little bit. Yeah, right. he went, he <laughs> smashed his head into the boards. 
But he tried to take out Hyman, and that, that attempt deserved some kind of pushback. And yeah. All right. Um, my um, my number is hits. Evander Kane, mm-hmm. who I praised uh, earlier, he had led the team with four hits. Not one other forward, Bruce, had more than one hit. Mm-hmm. And I all of the bottom six guys I gave you the threes or fours in this game because they just got nothing done. They didn't get a ton of ice time, of course, at even strength, but they got they got nothing done. And um, you want to beat the LA Kings, you've got to get in there on the forecheck and hit them because their defensemen are solid defensively, but they're kind of slow. This isn't the fastest fastest group of this isn't the fastest team or the fastest defenseman. You can get on them, you can get after them, you can hit them, and you will have success. And the line, you know, Evander Kane's line did have success. Drysaddle, Kane, and Perry, um, they were strong at even strength, but um, that was a really weak effort from the bottom group of forwards tonight, and. Um, We'll get into that right now. Right now, it's our conundrum. Um, what do you think of this bottom group, Bruce? Is it is this the group that's going to take them to the Stanley Cup this year, or do they have to make changes, bring in bring in another player or two, and um, replace some of these guys? Yeah. Well, a little tiny bit of, of production would not go amiss. I mean. You got these two vets on the on the fourth line now, and and Janmark and Brown. They killed penalties together, and mostly they've been pretty good. Although they had some trouble last night, um, uh, mostly they've been good on the penalty kill, and they do some good sort of mucking and grinding in the course of the game. But they never ever score like ever. They got one goal <laughs> between the two of them all year. They're forwards. One goal. And Janmark got the goal when he was standing in front of the net once and somebody's shot hit him and bounced into the net. That was his goal. That was against Vegas, I think, way back in the, the shootout game that they won. And, you know, it was a... Uh, but they have Neither one of them has shot a puck into the net in the entire season. And, you got, I mean, maybe you've got room for one guy like that, but holy cow, two of them that can never, ever, ever score... And Holloway, Fogle, and and uh, McLeod just got nothing done. They, 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 yeah. I thought this. I thought this line was going to be really good because yeah. these guys can all play hockey. Like they're fast, they can move the puck, mm-hmm. but they're just lost yeah. right now. They're so, they just seem disorganized, discombobulated, ineffective, and not not on top of the opposition. The on to, the opposition is on top of them. Mm-hmm. So. Fogel, two shots, no hits. Holloway, zero shots, one hit. McLeod, zero shot attempts, one hit. And I think the leading statistic was uh, two times that Holloway went offside and messed up a promising rush by not timing and hitting the blue line properly. Oh, that'll piss off your teammates. Yeah. Especially now, in the one NHL. Was, one was kind of the fault of the extra move outside that line, and the other one was just he went into ahead of the play, anticipating a pass that never happened. And so, so these are all good players, though. Like, and we've praised well, them all at different players. times, and we we've all um, said good things about them. But 
you know, they're going to have to, they're going to really have to crank it up. If this is the six that are going to be um, the bottom six, they're going to have to do a lot better than they've done in the last handful of games because it's been kind of, it's been an area of, of real weakness for the Oilers. And um, I, I think they're going to probably go back to CC and Nurse as well um, fairly yeah, quick, fairly quickly here because um, Darnay has been okay. But I'm not seeing that the necessary puck moving ability that you'll need to play in the with with these top Oilers forwards, and CC's not Bobby Orr, and he's not even half of Bobby Orr or a quarter. But he he he's better than Darnay, and maybe they maybe they're identifying here an area of weakness that they they are going to have to. Maybe this is where they're going to have to. They I think they have honestly one big trade in them. Right, they have their first pick this year. Mm-hmm. They can make a trade to get a good player, and maybe it's it's it is going to be for a, a right D who can move the puck better. Because uh, if you know CC's not great at it, he's okay-ish, but Deharnay is not even that. I mean, maybe he's just kind of like mediocre. At least when he's playing with the top players. That's how I see it. Well, this it. has been a test the last two games where they, they pushed him up into a higher <clears throat> role. In both games, he was on the ice for two goals against, one at even strength, one on the penalty kill. And, you know, it's a, so given that push, the early results are not promising. I like the player. I still like the player. It's not going to change, but I didn't like his game tonight. I like him too. He's fan. He's And he's been really strong in a bottom pairing role, but... Mm-hmm. I, I think, you, like, in our numbers with the grade A shots research that we do, you'll we will often see the bottom pairing defensemen look pretty good by that metric. But I always think it's the second you move up the lineup and, and play the, the tough defenseman like Darnell Nurse does and Cody Cece's done, you're just going to make more mistakes on grade A shots against because you're playing guys who make you make mistakes. They just force you into it with their outstanding talent. And it is so much more difficult um, for a defenseman to get the job done in that role. So it's not unusual to see people having success in the bottom pairing that they cannot translate higher up the lineup on defense. So um, I think we're seeing that a little bit right now with Deharney. He could still prove us both wrong, like all of us, anyone who's thinking this. Um, he could prove he's us wrong. Fast, he's a fast learner. Is the, sure is. The, observation I have of him, but these last couple of games have been a bit of a learning experience. I'm not saying he can never do it because mm-hmm. we remember last year, right? He came up, he was strong, then in the playoffs he was weak. And you're thinking, is he is he really an NHL player? Then this year he's just been getting better and better and better in that same role as he had last year to the point where they thought, well let's try him in the top four, see how it goes. They're trying that now. I think it was a it's a really good idea they're doing it. I think it's a good idea to do it now. But, um, you know, they, they need to know where this team is and what they can do and can't do heading into the playoffs. But I, in terms of the top four, I would say both Kulak and CeCe are better bets than DeHarnay to get the job done in the top four if that's the direction they're going to go. Well, that's certainly what they seem to be trying with these uh, with these shuffles the last couple of games. It's sort of, well, before we make a trade, let's make sure we don't have a top four defenseman buried in our midst or make sure we don't have a top six right winger in the new guy that we just uh, that we just signed let's see how he does in the top six before we panic and and 
give up a ton of assets and and stuff to uh, bring in someone else. Let's make sure we know what we got. And I would suggest that they got some answers in these two games and not necessarily positive ones. Perry was he was he was good last night and they they were okay tonight. I'm not sure I see yeah. him as a top six in a extended frame though. He's looked good. I've been surprised how much I've liked Corey Perry so far. And um, so yeah, this this uh, KD Perry line as they call it. Um, KD Perry, yeah, Kane yeah. Dryside. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who the first one was to say that. It was said right after the uh, right. trade was uh, the signing was made, but it's a very funny line. I figured anyway, they just call him the pissy line. Yeah, I've heard that one too. <laughs> I like the Katy Perry line. Anyway, it's they're it's all kind. They all kind of have sour game faces, eh? Do they ever? <laughs> yeah, They've Perry, been good. Perry's is legendary. They showed what they showed a clip from Team Canada from like twelve years ago, and. He, fuzzy-cheeked uh, Evander Kane, you know, young kid on a line with Cody, uh, Corey Perry, and Perry looked exactly the same then as he does now. Sourpuss game face. Uh, Glad they have him. Glad they sign him. I, I've, I have, I'm having a pretty good first impression, so. Yep. He's not All hurting right. the cause, and he's, he brings some real, some real, uh, some real smarts and stealth to uh, to the team. He does stuff that you don't necessarily expect. Yeah. Well, Bruce, I'm going to suggest that we leave it there. Stop talking about this pig of a game. My problem is it that I'm having like a plan. It does sound like a plan. <laughs> Just having a little trouble here. There we go with my computer. I've got this new computer, and it's very difficult mm -hmm. to operate, or at least... I'm having difficulty. Alrighty, Bruce. When is their next game? It's um... Tuesday night at home against Detroit. It's a one-game homestand followed by another three-game road trip. So, in other words, it's basically a seven-game road trip with seven games in seven different cities. But the middle one happens to be in Edmonton against Detroit, who is uh, a better team than many slash most give them credit for. Oilers were in very tough to beat them during their winning streak in overtime in Detroit. And now and, Detroit's fighting for a playoff spot. And they are, yeah. It's a but, big but game. So are the Oilers. So are the Oilers. Yeah. So are the Oilers. Yeah, well, sometimes you get a case, you know, yeah. and I saw two games like this today. One team wants to win and one team needs to win. Yeah. And the earlier one was uh, Washington taking down Boston hard, three to nothing, and they just kicked the crap out of them. Boston had seven shots after 40 minutes. I, I didn't watch the end of the game. I guess Ovi poached another empty netter at the end to make it three nothing. But Washington just dominated because they had to, you know, they have to win games. And and tonight I thought L.A. was playing like this game. This was a game they had to have with the new coach. And, you know, there was a lot to prove tonight. And if they lost this game, they were going to be lost at sea. And they, they had all hands on deck. And they had to won, win, and they won. Bruce, thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.